Hello. What is up and what is good? It is Ryan Dreyer. It is Tuesday, March 15th, 2020. And I'm kicking off a new podcast series here called Dog Park Diaries. I am hanging at the park with Jameson. It's lunchtime. It's Wednesday. It's Tuesday. Um, and I kind of figured we come here frequently enough that this is a good opportunity for me to just smash record and riff a little bit on some topics that I want to share about. So I'm in the middle of humming a tennis ball across the dog park with the chuck it in hand, and we are gonna just give it a go here. So what I'm gonna go off of today is Ironman fueling. I'm gonna reflect a little bit on my fueling at Ironman Indiana this past October um, and give a little bit of an update of how I have changed my fueling approach for Ironman Texas, which is coming up on April 23rd, and just kind of my evolution of my training fueling. So going back to Ironman Indiana, the biggest takeaway for me was that I was just massively underfueled. Um, I really leaned into a lot of the low carb fueling in my first year of triathlon training. And I was really able to get away with low carb fueling for my training practices. And then when I would get into race day, I would still take in carbs um, and I would take in a decent bit of carbs, um, but I didn't really have it as dialed in as I should have been. Um, so to get super specific with what I did at Ironman Indiana, um, the biggest mistake that I made was not having any carbs in the morning before the Ironman, which in hindsight, sounds insanely foolish, but I was doing the fatty coffee type of approach. So I was having coffee in the morning with collagen protein powder and MCT oil. Um, I was also throwing in some cinnamon and some salt. Super, super delicious if you're into trying some coffee variations like that. Um, and my intention was to have that before the race, do the swim, and then on the bike is when I would begin with my carbohydrate fueling. And that approach worked really well for me at Ironman 70.3 Boulder and Ironman World Champs in St. George in August and September of this past year. Um, but I think that the issue that I ran into was just the length of the swim in the Ironman. Um, a 1.2 mile swim in the 70.3s. I did that in like around 32 minutes each time. And I just think that compared to doubling that distance for the 2.4 mile swim in the Ironman, which ended up taking me an hour and nine minutes, I just think it was too much of a demand, especially with the intensity with which I was swimming and the level with which my heart rate took off at um, for that to be effective during the the Ironman swim and it was super apparent because I cramped up um, on the second lap of the swim the way that the swim was for Ironman Indiana is that it was what they call an Aussie exit so you do one lap that's 1.2 you hop out of the water run along the beach for 100 yards or whatever and hop back in and on that second lap of the swim um, I got a wicked bad left calf cramp which made me like completely stop and kind of do the stretch your leg out, freak out, tense up kind of thing. Um, and then probably about 15 minutes later, 
in a, uh, a later portion of that second lap, I got another calf cramp in the other leg. And then as I was probably a couple hundred yards from finishing, I got a third calf cramp that I kind of staved off a little bit. Um, I didn't have to come to a complete stop like I did for the first two, um, but it was still, it was still pretty bad. We're giving Jameson some water here. Jameson, you want to drink that? You don't want to drink, do you? Okay, he doesn't want to drink. Um, so that was really like the big takeaway on my fueling. Um, I, I did carbohydrate fuel on the bike, um, but I think that overall I was just generally underfueled and I really, really suffered on the run because of it. Uh, my run was really, really a grind. And basically the way that it works in triathlon training is that your, or triathlon racing, is that your fueling and your hydration on the bike is going to massively influence how you perform on the run. Um, so those were some really good takeaways. I mean, ultimately I was still pretty pumped with how I did at Ironman Indiana, 11 hours and 15 minutes with some really huge holes in my approach that we get to fill in now. So now that I am gearing up for Ironman Texas, I have basically spent the last couple of months completely flipping my fueling strategy and going very heavy with carbohydrate intake. And the reason is that, or really like kind of what's steered me in this direction from a scientific standpoint is that once your heart rate reaches a certain percent of your heart rate max, your body automatically switches over to carbohydrate fueling. Jameson, what are you doing, buddy? Come on, come on. Want to go that way? All right, go ahead. Um, and so the low carb thing or fasted exercise, like that can work really well if you're doing low intensity, steady state exercise. Um, and even if you like ramp it up a lot and you are doing some kind of interval work, you can survive uh, if it's a session maybe under an hour and a half. I think that's kind of the range, 90 minutes that they speak on. Um, if you're doing like a sprint try or something like that, they kind of say that you can do that without having to fuel up uh, because even though you're going super hard, it's not insanely long, relatively speaking. Um, but anyway, that has kind of steered me to the direction of uh, taking in carbs. And the big issue that I've really been facing is that I really, really like to do real food fueling. Um, I really don't like to do any of the, I don't do any of the gels, any of the goos, any of that processed crap, um, because I don't really like to eat that in my normal day-to-day -day nutrition. And so to me, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to all of a sudden take in more processed food when I'm putting in like super hard exercise sessions. I know that obviously there are lots of people that succeed on that, but a lot of my fueling interest is like pairing what is going to help me succeed now and like in this training session or for this race or whatever. But then also like I have a very long-term view on this kind of stuff. Um, I have a super long-term view on my nutrition. A lot of the nutritional practices that I subscribe to, you know, no added sugar, or at least unless I'm having kind of a cheat type of option, no added sugar, no seed oils. You know, these are all preventative measures that I take now to avoid illnesses down the road. And I think that a lot of times when people run into 
the random cancer diagnosis or the random illness, you know, when all things seem super healthy, um, I think that they can kind of be circled back to processed food, uh, lots of the shit ingredients that are included in those, uh, most namely added sugar and added seed oils, but lots of other gums and whatever else they throw in packaged crap. Um, so what that has ultimately led me to is really playing a lot with maple syrup and honey. Uh, maple syrup and honey are both pure carbs. They're pure sugars, natural sugars, obviously, and they are super quick sources of energy. Um, those are quicker sources than maybe a potato or some sweet potatoes or some oats or things like that. So what I've been doing is basically having oats before my big training sessions. And then in my training sessions, I am having exclusively maple syrup. Um, and that has ultimately worked out super well for me. Um, I've really been enjoying it. Um, I basically have gotten a couple of these hydro flask type pouches that just have a little twist cap on the top and I can just squirt down some maple syrup and keep my body well fueled without having to deal with all that processed crap that I mentioned a moment ago. And I have basically spent, I guess, the past couple of months just taking that in during training sessions um, and really, really just focusing on how I feel during the sessions. Um, I'm going to get to some CGM stuff in a second, but I was basically using a CGM, continuous glucose monitor, back, back in October and November, I think, I guess probably shortly after the Ironman, Ironman Indiana, and... The CGM, I have a, I have a Levels CGM, Levels Health is the brand, and it was kind of tough for me to see that glucose data because I was seeing consistent spikes whenever I would be having carbs, essentially whenever I'd be having carbs. Um, there are certain types of carbs, like sweet potatoes seem to impact me less than maybe having some quicker sugars like fruit or things like that. But in general, like making the transition from low carb fueling to carb fueling, it was hard for me mentally to be seeing huge spikes in my blood sugar where it would shoot up, then my insulin would kick off and it would shoot it back down. And as a general practice, when you're looking at glucose data is you don't really want big spikes. Um, now that's a little bit sort of standardized, I guess, and a little bit generic. Jameson, you want some water, buddy? hot one there you go drink it come on come on buddy jameson doesn't like to drink water but he will drop the tennis ball into the dog bowl with water in it so he at least gets a little bit of moisture off the tennis ball but definitely not much over there buddy you just missed it so where are we at? All right. So I basically started fueling up and just having carbs more regularly. Um, I think that, like I said, there's a way to do the low carb thing and it obviously worked well enough for me. Like I did really well at Ironman 70.3 Boulder, qualified for Worlds um, and did, did well at Worlds as well, but a lot of holes in my approach. So really like my effort was then trying to sort of bridge the gap on how can I better fuel up so that the runs aren't so hard on the triathlons that I'm doing, because basically, except for worlds, 
every single run was so hard. And the obvious conclusion or the obvious direction to take that was to step into some carbohydrate fueling. So let me try to circle the wagons here on, on kind of what I'm chatting about. So I have been doing maple syrup fueling for a couple of months now. And as I'm now in like my pure 12 week build to Ironman Texas, the repetition of my training has basically had a huge ride every Saturday. So for about the past five Saturdays, I've had a ride that's at least four hours long. And I, it's also coming out of winter here. So it's been super cold out. So it hasn't even really made sense to ride outside. And so that has given me the opportunity to be on the bike trainer for a really long period of time, be super, super calculated with exactly how much fuel I'm taking in, be very calculated with the time frequency with which I'm fueling and just give me a good chance to like zone in on all of my data related to nutrition, heart rate, power, cadence, et cetera. And I had a really, really big breakthrough this past weekend, which is ultimately the point of me recording this. Um, I finally threw the CGM back on, which I had had off for a couple of months because I didn't really want to see the data spiking a lot and influencing me negatively because I knew that the fuel was more important than just avoiding jumps in data. And this past weekend, what I had going on was the biggest training session of my life. So I had a five and a half hour ride followed by a one hour run. Um, which is huge. I didn't get to do any of this kind of training leading into Indiana because um, it was basically an eight-week stretch for me between Boulder 70.3, 70.3 Worlds, and then Ironman Indiana. And I was also just like super new to it. So like I've just been into this now for longer and I've just evolved with my approach and the level of detail that I've taken it to has just expanded. And so now here I am feeling smart, and fueled up with how I've been doing things the past couple of weeks. And ultimately leading into this weekend, I was like, all right, I'm ready to see the data. I'm, I'm ready to understand on a deeper level how this is going for me. And I had absolutely fantastic data. So what I did was probably woke up at 6.30 or so on Saturday and kind of putched for a second, just did some stretching in the morning or whatever, had a big bowl of oatmeal, uh, and then essentially hopped right on the bike. And my plan was to do exclusively maple syrup fueling and to fuel up every 15 minutes on the dot with just like a little bit of fuel. Um, and the whole point of fueling more frequently is that you can keep your energy levels stable as opposed to like on the hour taking in a bunch of fuel, having a big surge in blood glucose and then having insulin shoot it back down. And all of those spikes can just lead to some like mental instability or just kind of complicate energy levels as you're trying to put out, you know, a five plus hour effort. Um, so as I kind of started to execute that, um, I had heart rate targets that I had set. I had power targets that I had set and I had cadence targets that I had set. Those were the big ones. Um, my heart rate, I wanted to keep between 118 and 124. Um, which is basically just in the bottom range of my zone one. My zone one is 121 to 131. Um, my power data, I was hoping for that to be 172 to 182. And my cadence data, I want it to be between one, uh, not sorry, not 176, 76 and 79. 
And I nailed all of those, except for I was a little bit low on my power. Uh, my heart rate average ended up being 124, which was sweet. My cadence was 79, which was awesome. I've seen some really good benefits in dropping my cadence uh, into the mid-70s. 79 is actually a tick higher than I've done. I had averaged 76, uh, and I think 78 for a couple of previous rides. Um, my power data, I don't know if I just mentioned that, but that was 168, so just below what I was shooting for. But my run was awesome. And I guess before getting to the run, I'll just sort of share a little bit more on the fueling strategy. So I have this hydro flask, like I've mentioned, and I'm using maple syrup with it. Um, and one flask equals 500 calories. Um, that's just how much it holds, just based on kind of the nutrition equation of what's on the maple syrup bottle versus how much fits into the flask. So my goal was to basically have five flasks over the five and a half hours, um, which is kind of comparable to an amount that I had taken in on a training ride two or three ago. Um, but that's a little bit on the high side. Um, I had done sneeze here. Um, I had a training ride a couple of weeks ago, um, really the first one where I was super calculated with this stuff. And I took in, I forget what it was in total, but it ended up being 112 and a half grams of carbs per hour, which is definitely on the high side of things, um, if not potentially too high. On like sort of standard averages, people really shoot for like 60 to 90 grams of carbs. So to be at 112 and a half, I felt really good, but I don't know. There's just kind of enough history and feedback from other triathletes' performance that if 60 to 90 is the range and I went from low-carb fueling now to carb fueling, it's probably not in my best interest to be over the top end of standard carb fueling. So whatever, five over five and a half hours was going to kind of put me just below that range, probably like 107 per hour. Um, but I ultimately ended up taking in four flasks and just being a little bit more cognizant to take in a little bit less uh, each time I'd kind of take a swig of it. Um, and so I ended up taking in 90 grams of carbs per hour on the dot and felt super strong. And then the run was awesome. It was really my best, my best run off the bike pretty much ever. Um, I had an hour run and I ran essentially eight miles on the dot at a 728 pace, which I was super, super pumped with. Um, most of my runs off the bike to this point have been either a true recovery run or sometimes busting off a fast first mile and then settling back down just for like maybe a 30 minute total run. So one hour was kind of a big deal to rip off and to shoot for my zone one was the goal of that one. Um, it was just an adjustment and I really thought that I executed super well on it. Um, so overall, like as I'm going into Jameson, good buddy. Got a couple of Vishla looking dogs here. Hey, hello, hello, hello. Um, so overall, like just as I'm kind of thinking about where I went wrong or where I could have improved from Ironman Indiana to where I am now, um, about five weeks out from Ironman Texas. Um, it's really, really cool to see that my fuel info and my fuel approach has improved a lot. And I guess to circle back on the CGM side of everything, all of the CGM data that I had really, really validated the approach. Um, my 
blood glucose was super stable throughout the entire ride. Um, I did have a little bit of spike. I always seem to spike in the morning just when I wake up, just when my body kind of wakes up after sleeping and everything internally just starts turning on. It always seems that I have a, a pretty solid spike and then it kind of comes back down and normalizes. So I had a little bit of a spike when I woke up. I had that food. It sort of shot down and it was kind of a drastic rise and decline. But then once I hopped on the bike and I did that maple syrup fueling every 15 minutes, it was just insanely stable. Um, I was just taking a look at what the data actually said. And I think that my lowest reading was 106. I believe it's milligrams per deciliter is how uh, blood glucose is measured. And the highest reading was 116. So to me, like that's insane. Jameson, you're huffing and popping over here. <laughs> to me, that is just super insane to see that for five consecutive hours, five and a half hours of taking in pure sugar every 15 minutes at that heart rate that I was at, like my body was super, super stabilized. And so what I'm really focusing on now is like, I really pair that heart rate with that fueling. Like if my heart rate was super high and I was kind of spiking all over the place, Jameson, go get it, buddy. Um, you know, I might've had different readings on the CGM and I mentioned that my power was a little bit low, but I'm now like recognizing that there's a good trade-off between lower power on the bike and a better performance on the run. So like to revisit those numbers that I just said, it was 124 was the average heart rate, 168 was my average watts, and I ran at a 728 pace at a 141 heart rate. Um, and so now I'm like kind of wondering, I'm like, all right, well, where can I, what kind of info can I like infer from that? So I think like, okay, if my heart rate was maybe 129, five beats up from 124, maybe my power would have been at like 178. I think that's probably pretty realistic. Five beats of heart rate data would have equated to 10 beats of watt power um, just by my general gauge. I think that that's realistic. Um, but like, how would that have impacted the run? And with my runs having all been such a grind outside of worlds, I'm super interested and super focused on having my runs feel good. Like I don't want the runs to be such a shit show and such a grueling effort. Um, I think I should, should mention that one of the reasons why the run was so good at worlds was one, because I was super cognizant to not over bike, which I definitely did at Boulder, but two, there was like some insane weather during the ride at worlds that just forced me to slow down. Like there were like torrential, torrential rain, torrential wind. Like at some point people were just trying not to tip over. There were some riders that had literally pulled over. Um, so just kind of making sure that I was continuing riding completely changed, uh, the bike performance from, you know, probably just trying to show out or something like that. Um, so that's like really my approach right now with where I'm at with my fueling. Um, let's see, I followed the pretty standard protocol of two bottles an hour on this ride that I'm talking about. So I had 11 bottles total, all with salt. Um, and I think that like one big takeaway from like all of the nutritional experimentation that I've done is that I really think that the body just adjusts to whatever its consistent inputs are. So 
Jameson, you're right. He's hacking up along here. So like whether you're doing the low carb thing, whether you're doing, you know, heavy carb fueling, whether you're somewhere in the middle, I think that there's like an opportunity to just let your body sort of normalize its performance with consistent inputs. Um, because ultimately, like, even though I'm evolving out of the low carb approach, like I still think that the low carb stuff worked pretty well for me. Um, and now that I've taken some time to have carbs consistently, you know, a very heavy dose of carbs before training, um, and obviously lots of carbs during training. Um, I just think that my body's responding quite well to it. And it's having me really, really optimistic for how I can do at, at Texas. Um, you know, I think back to Indiana and before Indiana, I had never even swam 2.4 miles consecutively. I had never ridden 112 miles consecutively and I had never run a marathon uh, outside of the two ultras that I've done. So that was really like, let's just go out and, and get it done. And now just as I've been into it more and had more time and obviously reflected on how things went at Indiana, it's like. I'm in a totally different spot, understanding how my body can perform. And I think that the biggest thing is honestly like heart rate on the bike. Obviously the fueling makes a huge difference, but I've like really understood that if I can keep my heart rate in the low to mid one twenties, um, that just allows me to kind of go forever. And as long as I'm fueled up well and getting enough water and electrolytes in me, like that's really my all day long heart rate zone. And it's cool to ha now have ridden, you know, four, four and a half, five, five and a half hour rides and really like have these long efforts normalized for me. Um, what do you think, Jameson? We're hanging in the shade now. The hot one. Jameson's panting a lot. Um, oh, one other thing on heart rate. So... A big indicator of bike performance and run performance and comparing the two is what level you can get your heart rate to on the, on the run compared to the bike. So as a pretty standard metric, you should be able to get your run heart rate 10 beats higher than your bike heart rate. And if you cannot do that, that means that you overbiked. And it means that you put out too much on the bike and your body is just shot. Um, not being able to get your heart rate up on the run is, at least in my experience, always a product of just having no energy in your legs, having your muscles shot, your hips, quads, basically every lower body muscle, um, basically just being destroyed. It's not really a reflective of the cardiovascular system. Um, and so when I'm thinking back to this five and a half hour ride and then one hour run, so I said my five and a half hour ride average was 124 and then my run average was 141, which was crazy to be able to get 17 beats higher actually probably tells me that I might have a little bit more to give on the bike while still being solid on the run. Um, as for my run heart rate zones, 131 to 141 is my zone one. And that's where I'm hoping to be for Texas. Um, but to be at like the top end of that was just awesome. And I mean, I was really, I think it might've taken me a couple of minutes to like kind of get up to that level. But by the end of that run, I was holding a couple miles at like a 149 heart rate. 
which is crazy, crazy high. It's 25 beats higher than I was averaging on that ride. So all in all, I think that it's like just really cool to evolve my training from just, you know, pushing distance and learning about my heart rate and just putting in time in the saddle and all of that kind of introductory stuff that you obviously just have to go through to now I really, I really feel like I'm at like phase two where it's like, I'm looking at my power data, which I didn't look at at all before I'm looking at my power data. I'm being super dialed in with my heart rate. I'm really paying attention to my cadence and I'm really paying attention to my caloric intake and I was paying attention a lot to my hydration intake before, but it's it's a lot more dialed in now. Um, so overall, like, I don't know, that's just kind of a brain dump on where things are um, with my fueling and a couple of improvements from holes in my approach for my first few races to where I feel like I'm at now. And I mean, I don't know. That training session on Saturday, like I ran for an hour, I ran eight miles and I literally think I could have just kept going. I think I could have gone, I don't know if I could have run a marathon. I think I probably would have hit a wall at some point and had to dig deep, but those eight miles felt super, super smooth. And I a hundred percent just could have kept ripping it up if I wanted to. Um, so that's kind of where things stand for me. Low carb to high carb, real food fueling. I am going to have to figure out getting probably like a bigger hydro flask and maybe even multiple to carry with me on the bike at Texas. Um, that is one huge benefit of indoor riding is that I can just keep all of my fueling on a table right next to me and I can just take in as much as I want um, and not have to worry about transporting it. Um, but I'll figure that out. I'm supposed to get my new bike in soon. It was supposed to ship back in February and it's been delayed a bit. And I just spoke with the shop yesterday and it's supposed to ship on Friday, or at least we're hoping it's going to ship on Friday and it's going to ship to the store. They're going to install the new power meter that I've got. And I hope to be able to get at least like three to four weeks of solid riding in before Texas. Today is again, March 15th. Texas is on April 23rd. So we shall see, but that's another little level up that I've got is that power meter coming in. I did not have any power data on my road bike. I don't have a power meter on my road bike. So all the races that I've done have just been off heart rate or perceived effort. Um, and yeah, we're evolving a little bit. We're rocking and rolling. And that is, I think, a good summary of my fuel update. What do you think, Jameson? Is that a good episode one of Dog Park Diaries? I really like this. I'm here hanging out. We've been recording for 31 minutes now, which has been 31 minutes of straight fetch for Piglet. 31 minutes. Maybe even a couple of more. We threw a couple before we started. But anyway, that's what I got. I'm checking out for now. Thank you for listening. Any questions? Hit me up. Thank you.